Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Let me tell you a little bit about Mark Jacobson. He was with me back a couple years ago. Has been a working journalist for the past 45 years. Mark is a born and bred New Yorker. Over the years, he has been employed by the New York Magazine, Rolling Stone, Esquire, National Geographic, among other publications. His New York Magazine piece, Night Shifting for the Hip Fleet, was adapted into the long-running TV series Taxi. And in 2000, he wrote Return of Superfly, which served as the basis for the hit film American Gangster. Jacobson's most recent book is what we're going to talk about tonight, Pale Horse Rider. Mark, welcome back. And how are things in New York? You okay? Oh, things in New York are dense, George. Yeah. Dense. They really Actually, are. I'm very happy to be on Coast to Coast. It makes me feel like a person, you know, somebody. Well, you are. And you did a great job for me a couple of years ago, by the way. I'm still getting emails about you. Oh, really? Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. That is amazing. We've got, we've got a great audience and everything else. But let's talk a little bit about Bill Cooper. You know, he had been on our show years and years and years ago with Art Bell. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, I've seen a lot of clips of him at conferences where he gave speeches and he, he, he came across as a pretty intelligent guy. But then all of a sudden, I think toward the latter part of his life, I think he kind of flipped out or something. But what can you tell us about this guy? Well, I mean, it's true. He's a very intelligent guy. I mean, he was an exceedingly smart guy. I mean, um, and I mean, his basic, his basic career is, fits the perfect second half of the 20th century. I mean, that's, he's really a man of his times. Born in 1943, he died six weeks after uh, 9-11, which he's probably most famous for actually predicting. His, his followers believe he predicted it. And he actually, you know, he make, they make a good case, and I believe it. In one of his broadcasts uh, a few months before 9-11, he said something horrible is going to happen to this country. And they're going to blame it on Osama bin Laden, which is basically what happened. So, um, you know, he, and then six weeks later, he was shot dead at his house. And he also predicted that they're going to come up here, and he lives on the top of a hill in Arizona. And they said, they're going to come up here at midnight and shoot me dead on my front doorstep. And in fact, on the night of November 5th, 2001, the police, the Apache County Sheriff's, did come up to his house and shoot him dead on his front doorstep at about five minutes after midnight. So he was pretty close on that. Now, he had wounded, he he had shot a deputy in the head, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He did. And um, that person never really recovered from that. That stuff is not usually mentioned in the, in the Cooper legend. But, uh, you know, because, I mean, Bill Cooper is kind of like a saint of... Uh, you know, over the years, and it's already now almost two years since this book came out, um, but he, he remains as, as popular as he ever was, probably more so, and he's considered to be the father of what was generally referred to as the truth movement. I mean, he's the man. He really is. I mean, there are others who are pretenders, but nobody can compete with Cooper, um, basically because um, of that book. Which is sold, which has sold over three hundred thousand copies. Which is amazing, which is an astounding number. Really, I, I wish some of my books were sold. Yeah, me too. Copies. 
Me too. <laughs> and um, and considering that, you know, the book has never been, it's never really gotten a fair uh, merchandising thing because for a long time, that book was the most stolen book in the history of Barnes and Noble, the most shoplifted book. Wow. And you couldn't buy it. It wasn't on the shelves. You know, and uh, it was and later, and probably uh, probably one of the main main attractions of the Cooper legend uh, is that, you know, uh, Pale Horse Ride, I mean, not Pale Horse Ride, Behold the Pale Horse, was the number one red book in the prison systems in in, uh, in the East Coast. Yeah, they love it. You know, I still get calls from people during open lines every once in a while about Bill Cooper. He thought he was being personally targeted by then-President Bill Clinton and the Internal Revenue Service, and I guess he was charged with tax evasion. That's why the deputies went to get him. And um, I'm not well, sure— that's actually not, that's actually not accurate. <laughs> what, well, why the were they, why the were they after him? The reason they came to get him is because he, he threatened— the the town doctor, um, a few weeks before this, I mean, somebody he was, as you say, he did kind of flip out near the end, or he was not acting. He wasn't acting, he was acting right. He was acting erratically. Let's just say that. Um, but he's up there on top of his mountain, doing his shortwave radio show to maybe. He used to claim he had millions of audience, millions of people listening to him. But I think it was really near the end. It was more like in the triple figures. <laughs> you know, it wasn't that many people that were listening to him. So he he's this kind of semi insane guy. His wife has left him, taking his children. He's up there by himself. He's he's uh he's uh downing uh downing uh you know a, a bottle of Jack Daniels per day and he's doing his radio show and doing he was a if you ever listen to him, he's fantastic on the radio. I mean he's Really, a master of the form. He's good as almost anybody. Oh yeah, when, when he gone. when he didn't use profanity. I mean, he 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 would get out of control sometimes. Yeah, well, you know, I think that if you listen to these broadcasts, which are all available on the Hour of the Time website, you know, you, you have these there'd be long gaps in which times he wouldn't do a show, and according to everybody that I talked to, that was when he was on a bender. But then he'd come back and he'd be great. I mean, his reporting on Waco, for instance, where he actually went to, is uh, I mean, it's as good as anything you'll ever hear about that. It's fantastic. I mean, he's there. He's on the scene. He's doing this newscasting thing. And, um, you know, he's doing his Edward R. Murrow thing at Waco, which nobody else would do, certainly nobody in the mainstream media. And um, and he really provided a great service. And then he, he's a man of highs and lows. Mr. Cooper was, you know, um, and, you know, people, you still get emails about him, but I mean, I get these phone calls where people call me or email me and ask me, like, what would Bill think about this? You know, what would he think about the COVID-19? What would he think about the protests that are going on now? And, you know, the guy's been dead for 20 years. I don't know what he would think. But, I mean, you know, I have a fair assumption of you know, I can infer from everything I know about him what how he might have felt about it. He'd probably say, "I but told you." He's, so. he's still uppermost in the mind of many people. He, he is. Didn't Tim McVeigh, the Oklahoma City bomber, listen to him religiously? Well, he, well, religiously, I don't know, but he listened to him. <laughs> and uh, and actually, according to Cooper, 
uh, and there are eyewitnesses that McVeigh actually visited Cooper shortly before the Oklahoma City bombing and had a long conversation with him because he wanted, he kind of wanted Cooper's blessing or his advice about what to do, you know, whether or not he should go through with this without actually telling Cooper what he was planning on doing. And uh, he asked Cooper, who said, he said, well, if you got stopped by the police um, and you were, and you were like, you know, sort of wanted, what would you do? And uh, Cooper said, well, I would just, you know, if they had me, I would just do what they said. He said, you wouldn't shoot it out with them or anything like that? Oh, and Cooper geez. said, well, no, I don't think that was, because Cooper didn't know what the guy was planning on doing, obviously. So, um, and in fact, when Timothy McVeigh was apprehended, for people who know about this kind of stuff, um, he the, the sheriff came out and he actually gave himself up, even though he had a gun. He basically, you know, and this is the guy that wanted to get caught. You don't, you don't make a have an escape um, vehicle with no license plate. No license it. plate on it. That's what got him. No That's license right. plate. I mean, you want to get stopped by the police? That's a good way to do it, right? So, um, you know, it's just Cooper is. Um, I mean, he, way, he, he weaves in and out of, of pop culture in a way that is very interesting, you know, and I write a lot about his effect over the hip-hop community and, uh, and how you name the rapper in the 1990s, they were all quoting Bill Cooper from Wu-Tang Clan, Tupac quoted him, uh, Nas, I mean, I mean, everybody, you know, all the big deal Buster Rhymes, they all were Bill Cooper fans. That was kind of what got me interested in the topic. I mean, I said, why, why are these um, these these New York street guys yeah. so into into a guy, a big fat guy who lives on top of a mountain in Arizona? You know, <laughs> and then you kind of dig into it, and it became a very, uh, I would say, it was a semi obsessive uh, reporting job. You know, many many reporting jobs get that way, as you probably know. But this one, was, this one had a special added little twist into it, you know. <laughs> and there seems to be some confusion, Mark, whether, you know, he was in the military, what he did. Um, he claimed that he was in the Air Force and the Navy, high up uh, in rank. Uh, others say that they checked into it, and he wasn't. He was uh, like a petty officer or something. What, well, he, he what was a petty he, officer. He was. I mean, okay. you got to understand that Bill Cooper had a lot of enemies, <laughs> including George Knapp. <laughs> My buddy. Your buddy. I mean, ask him about Bill Cooper. Um, you know, Bill Cooper, I mean, he, it, most of it all dates back to his time in the UFO thing. Because that's really where he first breaks out. He broke out of nowhere. You know, the, I mean, I guess you know the UFO community is pretty parochial. I mean, everybody's got their little turf and people don't, you know. Yeah, it's very tight. Very tight and very kind of like, you know, Degree of suspicion. I don't know how you want to put it. I mean, you know more about it than I do. Um, but you know, then all of a sudden, this Cooper guy shows up, and he's claiming that um, he has he saw all these papers when he was uh, working for an admiral in the Pacific Fleet, and he knows all this stuff, you know, because he saw all these papers. He never produces the papers, and he has a fantastic really one of the all-time great sighting stories with a big football-sized UFO mm -hmm. while he was stationed on a submarine that 
flew over them and then dove into the water and came back out again. And, you know, it's just, uh, and the way he tells it, it's fantastic. I mean, you know, you're spellbound when you hear him talk about this because he's a great, um, you know, he's a great talker. So, and then, you know, then, you know, there was never really many proof. So a lot of people got really mad and he's a very abrasive personality. Right. So oh, people, yeah. People like, even a really nice guy like John Lear had his doubts about Bill Cooper. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, John Lear is one of the nicest guys you run across. So, like, um, and, uh, you know, and there were people that hated him, like, like um, Stan Friedman hated him. All those guys hated Cooper because he was getting a lot of play. And remember Billy Goodman? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he used to have Cooper on the show all the time. And right. And was taking a lot of the air out of the room. So that's partially where the hatred of Bill Cooper comes from. But, you know, I've, in all my research, I believe his military, his, mil, his military record, as printed in the back of his book, is correct. Did he ever change um, his views on UFOs, Mark? I mean, being the staunch believer, and then did he change later on in, yeah, in life? he changed. He did. He, well, he was the, um, you know, um, he, he changed. He, he claimed that he changed his mind about UFOs when he ran across a speech given by uh, John Dewey, who was a famous intellectual a pragmatist, in 1917, he made a speech which really became a kind of little-known hallmark of the conspiracy movement, and which uh, was later picked up by Ronald Reagan and a few other people, uh, saying that, like, you know, if we only could have an enemy from outer space, then all humanity would, would band together to fight this outsider, and we would get our differences. And this was like a big light bulb for Cooper, that the alien stuff and all the flying saucer stuff was all a hoax, and that um, it was just another control mechanism, another story for the for the so-called sheeple to, uh, to uh, believe in and distract them from what was really going on. And he's the inventor, or at least the popularizer of the term sheeple, I mean, he, he's he's kind of deep in the popular culture in the sense that you know he he invents the idea of of, of you know, he, every I mean, how many times have you heard the word sheeple? He also was the first person to use the term woke. I mean, he's just kind of like there in in these, and it becomes more in the generic talking of of just people in the street. They've never heard of Bill Cooper. You know, wake up sheeple, or he's times with sheeple, or something like that. Um, but these are all Cooper terms that he made up. I mean, he's he was kind of a wizard at um, at pop culture, and he never really made it during his lifetime because that book um, he never made any money out of it. Um, it's mostly all taken by the publisher, Light Technology, hmm. basically publishes um, you know channeling books and stuff like that, which Cooper hated a lot channeling stuff. So you know, he's just uh, he's a contradictory and fascinating person. And I often refer to him as a great American. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.